Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Vulnerability, much like team culture, cohesiveness, analysis, these the words that we use in our um, high-performance sport or sport these days, they're just words unless you practice them. You know, unless you put something together and you follow through with the behaviors and the standards that you set for those things. Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. I'm editor of Rugby Coach Weekly and I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast uh, Sean Lindersmith. So welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thanks, Dan. I'm really happy to be here. So, Sean, uh, not everyone knows you as Sean. You are known as other things. What are those other things? Um, first and foremost is probably my nickname, Coach Snacks, um, Snack Attack. I got that nickname in the military and it crossed over into the rugby world and it's followed me for the last 25 years. Um, also known as Dad, Uncle, uh, partner to Katie, son. And uh, my day job is the Vice President of Operations for Premier Rugby Sevens. Okay, so what's Premier Rugby Sevens? Um, it's it's the new Sevens League in the United States that's been up since 2021. Uh, men's and women's competition based on equality and equity. And we so what do you mean say based on equality and equity? What does that mean for Sevens? Um, for us, it means equal treatment of the athletes all the way from pay to facilities to medical access to coach access, uh, kit. Um, time on the field, ground transportation, stadiums, everything. Everything we do is based on providing the same exact experience for every athlete in our care. Um, it, it's sort of like if you, if anybody follows the sport of NASCAR, there are very strict rules around what types of cars you could have, how much staff you could have, what modifications you could make. Um, it's similar to that, whereas we provide everybody the exact same um, resources and allocation of time and um, uh, resources essentially and then you play your best on the weekend it's traveling circuit we do anywhere from three to five events a year um, have had some really big names come through like dan norton naya tapper uh, abby gastitis Lev kelter you know it's been a fun company to be a part of the last couple of years and it's also afforded me to be around rugby even more than i already am so yeah so you've moved uh, uh so we first met at the wisconsin rugby summit uh this time last year so that's 2023 january 23 and at the time you were coaching up at minnesota was that right yeah i was uh, the head coach of the university of minnesota from 2019 through 2023 um, my partner and i had some life changes happen and we've transitioned across the country back to my home state of california and we're currently living in the bay area in uh, san jose california and the thing, my abiding memory is that big, and then you said a naughty word there, that massive sword. So just tell me about that <laughs> massive sword that you were brandishing around during the uh, summer. I think brandishing is maybe a harsh word, but or, or a bit over-exaggerated. Um, the Claymore sword became a traveling trophy between the University of Wisconsin and the University of Minnesota. Um all University of Minnesota and Wisconsin teams have what they call a border battle from football to baseball to basketball to wrestling, hockey. And so it was natural fit for the rugby teams to, to create that between themselves as well. Um, we hadn't played Wisconsin in a couple of years due to the COVID pandemic and just some conference realignment stuff that had happened. So we, we reignited that border battle and sweetened the deal uh, Curtis Shepard, the coach of Wisconsin, gracefully bought a four-foot Scottish Claymore sword that I thought was going to be a lot smaller and maybe sort of symbolic. And no, it was an actual sword that, um, you know, our players really enjoyed winning the first two times. 
they haven't rescheduled the match since I've left. I'm really hoping to see that come back uh, this fall and then play for it again. And uh, it was it was it was a hit. It was a great recruiting tool, and you know, people had no idea that Seth Simon, our Viking ginger, is running around with a four foot sword and a mullet. So, great great recruiting tool. So, um, part of the journey. I mean, obviously, you've been heavily involved with coaching for a while, mm-hmm. and one of the things you sewed up uh, in 2023 is something called the Coaches Coffee Club. So, we're going to talk a lot about that, and. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose coffee is a good coffee is a good sort of gathering together of people in certain ways, but just tell us a bit about why did you even start to think about having what might be called what you called a coffee club and what, what is, what does it turn into? Yeah, great question. Um, the coaches coffee club is obviously born out of the idea that many rugby folks or coaches in sport love to go grab a coffee take their notebook, sit down and learn, right? It's where you do some of your best work. It's where you research things. You look up content or um, you read a book, you listen to a podcast. The, the coffee shop typically becomes the place where your guard is let down. You're not between the lines. You're not on the grass. The whistle's not in hand. And you, you're able to sort of absorb and digest ideas a lot easier, right? There's, there's no pressure on you at that point. Um, it's also, I think, the time when most people look at things that aren't technical and tactical, right? Most of the time, it's like, hey, how did that conversation go? What did, um, man, that, you know, that block in training, yeah, it was great content, but maybe I'd do it a little different way. Maybe I'll stand in a different place or maybe this interaction I had with somebody didn't go the way I wanted it to go or it went really well and I want to replicate that, right? Um, so... <sighs> The coffee club is born out of that idea, how it actually came to fruition and, and the delivery of such coffee club um, was after the rugby summit, you know, where you and I first met in person, I did a presentation on coach performance, uh, a presentation about us as coaches and the challenges we face and the things that the modern head coach is dealing with, um, loosely based on Cody Royals, um, the tough stuff, the seven hard truths of being a head coach which for me was an enlightening look, you know, like um, looking through the candy shop window at what some of the toughest challenges coaches face and realizing. So just, know, I mean, uh, so for people who have not read the book uh, and obviously it's yeah. not recommended, give me an example of some of the tough, the tough stuff that coaches face, because I think that that yeah. also helps us um, capture some of the things you're going to talk about uh, later. Mm-hmm. Yeah first one that really pops into my head and and it's one that I deal with quite a bit is you're your own worst critic, right? You're your own worst critic. Everything you do, you're, you're, you're analyzing, you're scrutinizing, you go back to your staff or your missus or your, your mister when you get home and you say, Hey, man, I didn't like the way that went. Oh, that was terrible. Or, you know, geez, you know, man, I I wish I would have done it better, you know? Um, And realistically, the lens you're looking at it from is yours. The people around you probably took so much out of that and you have no idea and you're missing that entire point because you are looking at you and not seeking out that feedback. Right. So um, that's one piece of the puzzle. And, and it's. So okay, let's, let's just talk just, I was so interested to talk about that. So, I mean, a lot of us mm-hmm. will, uh, that resonates with us. I mean, some people yeah. uh, never, never made a mistake and are rarely wrong. And uh, we've certainly come across those in our coaching yeah. time. But uh, yeah. so a lot has suffered from that. So what was uh, Cody suggesting that you do? Should you find yourself being your own worst critic? Um, one, recognize you're doing that. It's the first thing, right? Um, it's really easy to to live in that negative headspace and, um, and, and sort of carry on and then realize that, over time, you might even be passing those traits off to other coaches. So you got to acknowledge you're doing it. You've got to recognize and have some self-awareness. And then um, to be fair, I don't remember the message exactly, but it's it's the, the beginnings of, of realizing that these are the things we deal with and we do need to make a change so that these things don't consume us so much that we leave the game or, or we leave the, the coaching profession that we love. 
right? Or the coaching hobby, right? Even, even the amateur coach who's turning up to volunteer, they suffer from many of the same things just on, you know, maybe some smaller scale levels, right? The U7s coach has still got to put together a session plan, still have to manage the movement of the players around a session and, you know, deal with all the enthusiasm that comes with being a U7s coach, you know, and that's, that's something that myself as, you know, a, a defense coach with a men's and women's club, I deal with that with the adults. So, you know, there's that common ground there and how we deal with that. Um, we could learn from one another. And I think it's ultimately Cody's book was a really good sort of opening stanza to now he's written a second book called the second set of eyes, which I'm really excited to read. And it's about coaches having coaches, which is probably a good segue into I found myself wanting a coach, wanting a mentor and thinking at some point, how do I do that? Right. And, and so I took to rugby Twitter, you know, coaches, Twitter over the pandemic became a really interesting place to share ideas and connect and meet folks. And um, I actually just put out one day, like, Hey, I, I think mentorship is my next step in my career. I don't know how to do it. And thankfully I had three really good coaches reach out and offer to be my mentor or help me find a mentor. Right. You got Andrew Brownhill, Cody Royal actually reached out. was kind of cool. And then Phil Llewellyn, who's you know very familiar with Rugby Coach Weekly. Um, I ultimately decided to go with Phil. Phil challenged me. He put the mirror up. He asked me really tough questions. You know, helped me sort of shape my identity around coaching and myself. And then also like put together some plans and say, you know, this is what's possible. You know, when I started with Phil, I had no idea what I wanted to do or what I was capable of or what sites I should even set in my coaching career, let alone my professional career. Um, and ultimately, Phil is the one that challenged me to start the coffee club. You know, I came back from the rugby summit. I delivered this coach presentation performance, which if you think about your own toughest critic, I watched it back last night and I said, oh, God, I would do this so different. I would add this. I would spend more time on that, you know, whatever. But I told Phil that I got a really interesting response. It was crickets in the room. You know, there was a couple of responses, a couple like, yes, I agree with that. Or, you know, I can't hold on too tightly to this or administrative tasks take too much time now. And I went away and I was with, you know, our staff, you know, you've met Ryan and Piper and all them. And I was like, man, I think that bombed. But what ended up happening is I started getting LinkedIn messages. I got some Facebook messages and people were like, man, I, I really need to look at how I'm doing this. So I enjoy this more. You know, I, I noticed that I'm not enjoying it as much. I get a little more agitated at things that happen because I'm holding on too tight to one piece or another. And um, it just became a thing. And, and it was really cool to see those coaches be vulnerable and reach out. It was a really big step off a cliff to put myself out there. And so for them to, to reciprocate, that was awesome. And Phil was like, you know, maybe, maybe there's a space for that. There's no space for us to, Talk about us as coaches. Talk about what you deal with, you know, let alone no one's checking in with the head coach. Mm. Head coach checks in with everyone else. No one turns it around and says, hey, how are you doing? Right. So he said, you should do this. And this, I think it was a Wednesday. No, probably Thursday. We usually meet on Thursdays. Thursdays. And um, he goes, you should do that. And I was like, well, how do I do it? He's like, I don't know. Do like a Google meet or something like put it out in the world. You're, you're okay on Twitter. Like people follow you. So I put out a Google form and said, this Sunday, I'm going to, this was in March. I said, this Sunday, I'm going to host a two hour session from X time to X time. Just turn up and let's talk about coaching. And um, the first session had a bunch of friends in it. A couple people who had no idea what was about to happen or nor did I, to be fair. And um, I had no real set agenda except for I wanted to I wanted to connect with other coaches see if there was anything they were dealing with and then what happened and in the first one we had um, former U.S. Eagles the current U.S. Eagles we had coaches from Argentina we've had coaches from the UK we have we had a professional general manager from one of the MLR franchises at the time on, on the call as well. And, you know, we do a quick introduction and in every call we do um, what we call a green, amber, red check-in. 
code how you're feeling today. Green is you're great. You're all good. Things are moving smoothly. Amber means you got a couple stressors, maybe some projects are due or you're a little behind. And red means I need someone from the group to check in, right? Like hit me on, on the back end. Or as a group, we could stop and, and have a look. What that's turned into that now. At the time, it was just like, hey, we'll we'll circle back with you. Mm. And um, we did the check-in, we did the introductions. And then I said, okay, does anybody have any challenges or successes that they want to share with the group? And uh, a current Eagle Sevens player stood up or raised his hand and said, yeah, I, um, I started coaching a high school team last year and we were terrible. And all of us were like, uh, okay. And he said, but now we're good and we're winning games. And I'm having a really hard time. Uh, what was the word to use? I'm having a really hard time dealing with the sense of entitlement, dealing with the arrogance of the team. And I think we need to sort of reset ourselves. What have you all done? And that turned into 90 minutes of crowdsourcing and, you know, coaches from many different levels of experience asking questions and saying, Hey, have you tried this? Or, you know, maybe don't do this because this seems, um, defensive, you know, and, and just a lot of experience in vulnerability and sharing happened. And I just sat back taking a, a ton of notes <laughs> and, you know, as, as many conversations go between coaches, doors started opening and we started flowing through them and taking, you know, taking on uh, someone's problem or if someone had a success, we shared it and we celebrated it. And we said, how did you do that? You know, what was that like? And then, um, so we started doing that in March. We just had one last week, having another one this week. You know, it, it's kind of ebbed and flowed. I don't want it to be obligatory by any means, but it's the session's there. It's on the calendar. If if we say it's on and people jump on, we talk. If they don't jump on, I sign off 15 minutes after and, and away we go, right? Um, we've created a WhatsApp group to sort of, continue check-ins we do a wednesday check-in now just like hey real quick green amber red emoji how you doing you know we do a poll and you know i was yellow last week and three coaches were like hey how are you what's going on you know do you need help with anything you've got a podcast with me so obviously that's a that's a big yellow so (laughs) uh, it's interesting that there's a couple of things that i just want to uh, uh circle back to the first one is uh how important having a mentor is now obviously i know phil well and great to have him uh involved because uh, when wherever we chat he's very good at um looking at the angles and uh absolutely the best mentors it's not about them it's about it's about you and he's extremely good at that um that, that's a big shout out to phil of course um um, and uh because he's done some great work with rugby coach weekly but also in lots of his coaching spaces so I think getting a mentor is is really important. Uh, and I certainly picked um, partly talking to you and partly talking to others. I got a mentor um, in September and it massive difference on, on a number of things. I think the other thing is um, I'm very interested in this vulnerability part because it is a well-used term yeah. um, and it's an important term. And I think coaches don't necessarily understand what it means to be vulnerable because it can be just a prop just to people to, to to pick them up and say things. And I don't sense you get as much out of it if you approach it that way, but I might be wrong. So just tell me about what your understanding of vulnerability is and how people display it in the ways that really will give them a lot of benefit. You know, you bring up a really great point. Um, vulnerability, much like team culture, cohesiveness, analysis, these the words that we use in our um, high-performance sport or sport these days, they're just words unless you practice them. You know, unless you put something together and you follow through with the behaviors and the standards that you set for those things. Now, vulnerability... I don't think you can. Can you practice vulnerability or? Yes. Right. I I think you can. And here's, here's, here's an example. You know, at the university of Minnesota, I was fortunate enough to coach women, young women and men, right. There was lots of women on my staff across the years. And um, 
every single one of us was at a different point in our life, whether it was school or work or you know, theses or internships or or what have you, right? And we took vulnerability is often viewed as a soft term, right? Like I'm soft, I'm sad, I'm you know, I'm, I, there's tears involved. With yeah, which yes, there is. But vulnerability, really, to me, and in, in how it's shaped out to be, is embracing your emotions. And being upfront about them, you know, and that could be sharing how you're feeling, you know, like as a coach, I, I was listening to one of the podcasts and they were talking about authoritative coaches, right? Authoritative coach comes out and, and says, I'm, you know, you guys are dropping the ball. I'm pissed about this. Let's, you know, let's go this different direction or on the line, you know, like in a weird way, that's kind of vulnerable because they're admitting that they're, they're upset about the results that they're getting. Okay. True vulnerability though, would be to say, Hey, we're dropping the ball. Is there a piece of the puzzle that I'm missing? How can I help you improve that technique, right? What what can I do to make sure that the ball is not hitting the ground? You know, is it something I need to work with you on? Or how are you? Are you distracted or, you know, what's going on there? Like, help me understand. And if everything's like, no, coach, I'm good. You know, I just, you know, biff the pass or whatever. Then you carry on and you go back to it. But it's it's acknowledging that you have emotions, you're going to go through a wide range of them um, and you're going to embrace them and, and, and ride them out and allow people to help you through that or celebrate with you. Because vulnerability could be also sharing a success. How oftentimes, how many times have we like had a win at work, you know, like, oh, I really nailed that project or that paper, or I got the job interview that I was thinking about, but then you turn up to rugby training or football training and you say no words about it, but inside you're like, Oh yes. And then you get tuned up because you're, you're missing the ball or you've missed a kick. And then you're like, you know what? My day was really good until coach said this, but had you had someone shared that with the group, the group feeds off that energy and says, that was great snacks. I can't believe you got that interview. That's awesome. You're going to kill it. And then that that sort of infects the group with enthusiasm, and then you move through it. So I've know, got two things based on what you said. Then, yeah. so I can try and remember them. Uh, I can write them down. Probably better. Right. The first one is that uh, vulnerability, and I like the way that you're talking about. You got to practice it, and there's different mm -hmm. ways to show it. The yeah. the the thing is that sometimes you can use this as an excuse yeah. uh, for you're not performing for some reason now some excuses have genuine backgrounds you know like uh, actually you're not well uh there's lots of other things going on in your life which is so you know. but actually sometimes these excuses aren't like i haven't returned this call i've i've not said what reason why i've not turned training now some people can try and use vulnerability as a bit of a shield for things that they're not doing so well mm -hmm. how do we help ourselves perhaps navigate through that from a personal point of view or the person themselves, you think, look, you just actually, you're not being vulnerable. You're just making an excuse. Yes. And that is, that's an interesting piece of the puzzle in human connection and behavior. Um, this is going to sound, I don't know how this will sound, but we ended up putting some metrics around attendance at the university of Minnesota. We said, if you are an active Active member, you're highly contributing member of this club. You're making 80% of all games, practices, and teams meeting, team meetings. And if you're not going to make it, you have to let us know, right? Just shoot a text and you're good. So obviously with young adults, there's lots of excuses that come around, you know, like, oh, I've got a study or, oh, I've got this job interview or, oh, you know, I'm I don't know how many times I had food poisoning. It's, you know, we had 6 a.m. practices. So food poisoning happened a lot at 5.30 in the morning. Um, you, if you're practicing vulnerability and you're, you're, you're working on that as a group and you get sort of the senior players to start buying into that, which then matriculates down to the younger players and new staff members. And they see that that is part of how you, you behave and how you communicate and interact with one another you know when it's a BS excuse or mm -hmm. if it's something really happening. And that's, that's where vulnerability is a, a really powerful tool is, you know, I actually had players 
come to me. I had to deal with some discipline stuff at a tournament one time. And I sat down with the captains in the morning and one of the captains looked at me and said, you're dealing with this an awful lot. How can I help you make this fun for you? And I said, you know what? I'm just, uh, we have some deadlines. I really did not want to have to deal with, you know, whatever we were dealing with, but thank you for acknowledging that. And I'll, I'll get out of my head. You know, those guys will do their punishment. They'll be back in good graces, water under the bridge, but you're right. This is a good trip. We need to have, enjoy this. We need to have fun. We need to, to embrace this whole experience. And that player would have never thought to look at his head coach and say that if we hadn't practiced that for three, four years together. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the beginning, many people, when you practice true vulnerability and true care for one another, they don't believe it. You know, we actually had a player who turned up for a couple sessions and then was like, you and the coaches asked me how I'm doing. Anytime you see me, do you, is that just like, what is that? And it's like, well, you're one, you're one of us. Like we want to make sure you're okay. Make sure your school's going well. Or, you know, if you're having a hard time, we can check in with you or, or get somebody to, to give you support. And they, they honestly did not believe that we cared that much. And it was really, it was really interesting to see. Right. And some people have trust issues. It is what it is, but. Okay. Know, so I'm going to ask another question. It was just, I yeah. think it's important to ask. Yeah. Can a coach be a good coach and not necessarily care that much about their players? And I know that both of us believe one thing, mm -hmm. but is it possible that that is the case? Yes. So as you and I, have chatted about and we have many friends that have probably um, had discussions around this topic. There are players that play for you and there are players that play in spite of you. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you, you can be one of those coaches and as complex as the human mind and, and soul is, some people thrive in a negative feedback space, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and to be fair, going back to, practicing vulnerability as a, as a really powerful tool. One of the best players I ever coached, he called me one day and he said, coach, I'm going to ask you to do something that I know is not in your wheelhouse. And I was like, Oh, you know, did you, do I have to turn up to court? Is this a legal proceeding? Like, did you, you know, do I have to be testify on your behalf? And he's like, no, um, I've been having trouble with my kicking and I want you to coach me in a negative aspect. And I know that's not your way. And I was like, I was like, I don't want to abuse you. And he goes, no, I know you'll never abuse us. He's like, but I want you to talk to me in a way that's like, you don't think I'm going to hit it, but you also want me to be the person to kick. And so we, we practice that. Like we'd line up a kick in training, you know, to, to slot the conversion after. And I'd be like, you're not going to hit this. No way you're going to hit this Jonah bang and he just did it he needed to know that he could prove the doubters wrong mm. and that every time he hit it while i was thinking he wasn't going to get it although deep down i knew he i really wanted him to get it he built that confidence in himself you know and, and it, it was within that story the, the key thing is he was able to open up to you and do that and uh, yeah. i'm sure that we've all got stories uh if you've coached for a while of the situations where you just need to, if you give, if not give them a chance to say it. And uh, yeah. story I've told probably too often on this podcast is a moment uh, when I was coaching uh, with the Welsh women and one of the players said, Dan, can you just stop? And I think she used a few rude words. Stop asking me how I feel and just tell me where am I going wrong? Because that's all I want to know. I've had yeah. enough of this. How do you feel? Can I ask you a question? Just tell me. And I told yeah. them and they went, great, thank you. And that was it. And, you know, hey, presto, they got better. Uh, yeah. Because sometimes you just need to understand those players. And that's a that's a hell of a journey to go on uh, and work out with, with the players. Right. So I'm going to jump mm -hmm. to the second part of the question I was going to ask you from earlier. Yeah. Player turns up to training and we want them to celebrate they've had a good day. Yeah. Now, this may be a cultural thing, and here comes a massive um, um, 
generalization. But in the States, you generally celebrate good things a lot more. You know, well done, great, lots of fist mm -hmm. uh, bumps and that sort of thing. Yeah. I come along and said, I've had a great day. I nailed my interview today and I got the job and I'm on the best seller I've ever been. Da, da, da. I'm just so pleased I've really done it. Now, some people might think, you boastful git. I don't want to hear that. But, you know, you, I, you know, just let's get on with things. Mm -hmm. Some people are like that. They just, they, they're that Instagram happy. You know, look at my workspace yeah. today. I love what I've achieved today. So who, who have I spoken to today? All those sorts yeah. of things. That there is sticks in the crawl. What mm. can we do to help model or rehearse or practice celebrating the fact you've had a good day without being boastful? Because I now, from what you're saying, this helps everybody because you're pleased yeah. for the person, number one. Maybe you're helping the people who are listening to the information but also, if things go for wrong in the training, they don't feel then that their day's not been quite as good as it should have been. Yes. Yeah, that's that's sort of um, the Instagram thing, right? Like, you only see what people put out in life. Mm. That's something we deal with now in, in, the, in the times that we live in and the cultures that we live in. These things that we're celebrating or acknowledging or recognizing, right? Or, or probably acknowledging and recognizing are probably two better terms. They're in the huddle, right? They're at training. They're in front of your peers. There is no hit the post button. It is, hey, guys, thanks for helping me prepare for this interview. I got it sort of thing, right? Because oftentimes when you create an environment where everyone is collaborative and they're working together, they're working together and you never even know it, right? Because you've created those bonds or you've helped them create those bonds with each other by providing that space for them to do that. You know, we're not talking about a safe space because there is critical feedback that comes with that. Mm. When you model that and you share that something's happening, right? You're recognizing that you're going to acknowledge when positive things happen, but you're also opening the door for them to build the trust and, and respect amongst the, amongst the group to bring up things when they're not going well. Yeah, right? so I'm imagining uh, here, yeah. so let's say I've got a group of under 15s, mm -hmm. 20 under 15s standing around me, and uh, they're not in the very first session going to share they've had a bad day because that's mm -hmm. going to be one hell of a thing yeah. to do that and probably they're not also going to they're probably going to be like you said the crickets it's going to be, yeah. so it's going to be it's going to take a long time to get there when i say a long time it's going to take a lot of hard work and effort to find yeah. a space where people can say look by the way i've had a hard day now the other thing is that we know that some people turn up for training and they've always had a hard day it's like one long story after another and it's tiring just sometimes you've got to say you feel and i'm saying this gonna be careful you feel look just you're gonna to have to just be strong here and get through it because otherwise we're all going to be brought down by the fact you have a bad day every time you turn up and and you've got to say that obviously there's a lot of things you're going to be very careful about there but you know people yeah. are going to be like that yeah yeah you know there's there's always some some people in the mix that suffer from one thing or another more than others. And um, I think self-awareness at some point will kick in for them and, mm -hmm. or they'll get through whatever it is that they're going through. And, you know, I think it's also an opportunity if we're seeing somebody that is constantly having some sort of um, dramatic situations going on in their life and they're, they're engaging folks at, you know, say the, the, post training feed or the socials after the games, it's an opportunity to ring them on Monday and say, Hey, you know, I've heard you talk about this specific, this thing a few times, you know, are you seeing someone or is there a, you know, is there a therapy component that you could go to? Like, I'm worried about you or I, I'm a little concerned, you know, maybe it's time to, to make a change or go see someone and talk to them. It, you know, those are, if someone is sharing, that means your environment is, is strong enough that they feel comfortable to share, which is a good indication, but it's also you 
showing the care and the vulnerability with one another also gives you an opportunity to say, if you make a step towards getting the, some good help that's beyond a friend, mm. we're also going to support you doing that. And if that means you step step away from the team for a little bit, that's okay. We'll be right here when you're done. And if rugby or football or basketball is part of your life, when you're done dealing with whatever you're dealing with, open arms, you know, and that's, that's a powerful place, right? You know, as a coach, and there's one of the most interesting topics we talked about in coffee club was um, our team environments, unconditional love environments. All right. And, uh, it was a great discussion. Yeah. Um, what the group settled on is, is sort of a in totality. And I, I got to thank everybody in that for letting me speak on their behalf here, because I am just one of about 20 coaches that rotate in and out of the group. And, you know, I'm lucky to facilitate it, but I learn more than anything that they get from me or from the coffee club from them. So um, the conversation around unconditional love turned out, yes, but the unconditional love is while you're in the environment. If there's something that takes you away and you're unable to, to continue on with the team or you've got to take a break, that's okay. The coaches and the players that are in the environment have to turn inwardly while you deal with that and focus on the goal at hand, the season, the preseason, whatever you're doing. Now, it still means we care about you. There's love and care there. And if we're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, that unconditional love comes right back. But we can't have so much distraction take away from the team's goal that the entire team suffers. So that's where the, hey, if you need to get some real help, that's okay, go for it, comes in, you know? And um, it, it was really interesting to hear the different perspectives and experiences of people. You know, I think as coaches, we've sort of dealt with a lot of different things. And I think the term is energy vampire. You know, yeah. there can be players in your team that are, oof, Dan's got one again, you know, here he goes again. You know, it's on about his podcast, and then it's like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, and I think that's what I mean. Uh, joking apart, I mean, I think that that's that's where we see there are some players mm -hmm. who are those energy vampires, and yeah. they they suck up more of our time than we want to, and yeah. we're nervous of letting them go or yeah. letting them uh, descend further. But also, it means that other players are in a sense, suffering for it. So I want to just uh, just move on to a little something else, which we just talked about. So you've got 20 coaches in there throwing in mm -hmm. opinions. And mm -hmm. I've been in uh, WhatsApp groups and groups like this um, in, a, in a number of different environments. And yeah. sometimes um, I'm not the expert, so I'm, this is great, but sometimes an expert, and I see some unexpert opinion coming in, and I know mm -hmm. it's wrong, and I know that it's not going to be helpful. How are you going to deal with that? Because I'm not saying it's uh, dangerously wrong. I'm just saying that they're saying something that, look, the last thing you need to be doing is this. Yeah. But you also need to respect the fact that someone's given an opinion. And everyone has got um, um, thoughts on on most things. How are you going to deal with that moment where you say, look, actually, it turns out I'm an expert at this particular bit. What that person's saying is not going to help that person in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have some ground rules. And I, if anybody starts their own coffee club, I highly recommend setting some ground rules, right? We have no rabbit holes is, is one of our rules, right? Like um, in the U S rugby community, we can get bogged down in sort of opinions on governing bodies or relationships at the, the 10,000, the 50,000 foot view level. And it's, we just acknowledge, hey, there are issues. This is not what this is about, right? Okay. We're sitting here talking about um, snacks. We're talking about Marcelo. We're talking about justice. We're talking about um, Andrea, right? Like we're talking about us as people. And it's recognized that people are bringing their experiences to the table. And oftentimes, um, if we start going down a rabbit hole, the group polices itself, you know, or, or they ask a, if there's a, 
it hasn't happened often to be fair because everyone does a lot of listening and then lets sort of the the conversation start to flow and then we let it go where it goes um there have been times where people they'll challenge and say hey can you back that up or or where do you find a resource about that right so if some people's meter for you know uh bs for lack of a better term right is mm-hmm. is is pretty good you know and um i would say the level of coaching in the group is between amateur and just below professional so there's there's a lot of time under tension a lot of time on the field that people are bringing to it and with the group being vulnerable like we've discussed with with teams and stuff the group will sort of bring and say hey i really messed this up today help me right and and there isn't it's it's how do i describe this we spend a lot of time talking about interactions between coaches and coaches coaches and players players and players parents and coaches parents and players you know um you know one particular time a, a coach would be like i just had a conversation with the parent they were upset about x and you know i, I handled it this way do you got what you, what do you guys think sort of thing like you know is did i miss something here sort of thing right um you know anytime there's sort of expertise type stuff it's sharing of an article or sharing of a post or you know um you know i i sent in my article to the group and said hey guys this is coming out pretty soon pick it apart and everyone was like i doesn't sound like too, it's too bad snacks nice job <laughs> you know and and um you know uh that's how we deal with it we just we, we police one another and we check in with one another off off the side and you know or or you know i think probably the better way to do that is me or one of the other members coming around and saying hey that comment was a little like, show me where you got that from. Like, I just want to see where that's coming from. And I, I, I can imagine that's happened a couple of times. Right. So yeah, that's how we would so, do it. I think the important thing there, which is coming across is that uh, though it sounds like it was quite loose as an idea to start off with the, mm-hmm. there are some, and by the way, I will link in the coffee club article, which gives a very good um, mm-hmm. pricey of what we're talking about is that ground rules are important. And yeah. even even within a coaching community, though we expect that people will be respectful, sometimes people yeah. forget it. And we just need to have a moment where someone can say, just a second, probably just slipping off. And actually, people have got to be able to hold up hands. Oh, yeah, sorry, I just I went on a rant there or uh, perhaps, yeah. I'm, perhaps I'm wrong. Now, I think the other thing which I'm just sort of interested to to think and this is just uh, to finish things off is that mm-hmm. it's very easy to be involved with chats and chat with coaches and you can mm-hmm. spend a lot of time just justifying what you're doing uh because you find a group of people who are like-minded and yeah you're curious but you don't really change now mm-hmm. you're not in that boat i know that you're the, some somebody who is keen to change for the better and is looking to do that as much as possible I would say you're probably in a, a minority like that. Mm. Why do you think, or how do you think we can help coaches make genuine change? Because the coffee club is a chance for player uh, for coaches to say, I'm ready to make a change because someone's suggesting something different. How, how, how do we get coaches into that space? Because that's a really important place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great question. Very, if I could make one comment about about sort of my position, you wouldn't recognize the coach I am today from the coach I was in 2009 when I started. Completely different in terms of delivery, execution, you know, uh, conversations, how I'm game management, you know, all of those things changed. And Thankfully and gratefully, I've, whether purposefully or happened to be at the right place without even knowing I was being there at the right place, I've been able to be influenced by a lot of really good coaches. You know, um, we've talked about a couple of stories between my time with the All Black Sevens as a liaison officer or the time as 
um, the assistant manager and manager of the Eagles, you know, pro rugby, you know, PR sevens, you know, I get to talk to a lot of coaches and the coaches that are at some of the highest levels are some of the most open and honest individuals and willing to move their position when the information dictates as such. And so they modeled that for me. And um, I'm not going to say that I, I did that and off to the races I was, I made a ton of mistakes. You know, I, I, I stumbled more than I succeeded, but you know, as you, you grow and you gain experience as a coach and you can apply some of these lessons, you could see where they really have an impact. Right. Um, my boss and I were talking about coaching trees yesterday and he was like, you know, think about everybody we bring into the con company as our coaching trees and, and, you know, what the framework we're building. And I started thinking, you know, that's a really great, um, really great thing that we have in, in rugby and in, in coaching sport really is how many coaches do we influence underneath us and what are we influencing them to do? So the, the modeling of the behavior is step one. You know, if you are a coach that is not anchored to a position, is a, you have the ability to adapt and you do it, people see it and go, wow, you, you used to be a yeller. You know, you used to scream at the refs and you do this, but now you're just, you know, you still like to yell, but you're saying things like, I need you, get in the fight, you know, get, get to the next thing. Like, you got this, let's go. You know, like they see the change and then they see the impact, you know, because usually when you make a change, it's for the better and the adaptation is positive, right? So if enough people see enough positive adaptations, they might be willing to change too, right? Um, another way is one-on-one -on -one time. You know, like before I met you, Dan, I was really intimidated. I was like, oh, this guy's got a podcast. He's editor of a, of a magazine, you know, and then you and I chatted in, in Wisconsin face-to-face -face, and I was like, yep, he's like the rest of us. And I, I want to know more. I want to... I want to see where he's at, you know, because you well, were. And, and, and I tell you, Trees, likewise, given uh, all the things that you're doing. And I think uh, yeah. it, it's often surprising how you, you everyone's sort of like slightly scared of each other. I mean, otherwise, well, you're never going to connect with anyone if you don't, you know, I suppose be a little bit scared of people and you find out what they're what they're really like. Yeah. I, one, one thing I should note on here is that. Um, I was influenced by coaches at a very early age, right? Coach, the term coach in the United States is a, is a sign of respect. It is a title. It is, comes with subject matter expert. It comes with managing people and leaders of, of women and men type thing. Right. And uh, both of my parents coached me as a kid. Neither of them knew anything about baseball. Both of them stepped into the roles to coach when I was very young, me and my sister they decided to run the little league because there wasn't a little league in our town where we moved to uh, we moved east from los angeles to a place called fontana no little league my mom and dad helped build it my dad built the snack bar my dad coached my farm team my mom coached my minor team and then my mom coached my sister so i've been influenced by coaches nearly my entire life right and so it's probably natural that I gravitate towards being an educator and a coach. My sister is an educator. She's a vice principal at a high school. You know, my, my nephews are playing football and soccer now and, and my kids are doing all the different things like uh, theater and fashion. So we, you know, we're a family that likes to explore. So I've always had that sort of like jump in and, and, you know, if you're going to jump aim, right. Like, Try it out. Who cares? You know, if you fail, you learn something. If you win, you keep going. Right. And so couple that with just being able to be in some really interesting rooms that I still shake my head and say, like, how did I get in this room? Like, why am I here? Like, how, you know, I'm hanging out with Wysali Sarevi at PR7s now, you know, like, what, what, what is that? Who does that? You know, and I'm just a kid from, from Southern California who, Hey, you want to go skateboarding? Yeah. Hey, you want to play football? Yeah. Hey, you want to play baseball? Sure. You know, and it's, it's served, that served me well. So openness, I think, long story short, you got to be open to change. You got to yeah. be open to adaptation. 
And you know what? Like this side is so much more fun. You talk to so many more people that like have some really cool experiences, both challenging and successful, right? Like hearing people's challenges is, is, um, is, is good. You get to look at it from your lens and go, how would I do that? You know? Um, I think the other piece is um, I think a lot of coaches that fall in the majority or, or not in the minority that we're talking about, their identities wrapped up in everything that they do. Mm. Right. I'm just Sean Linder Smith. You know, I'm an introvert who likes to kick it in his office and, and create, you know, things for his clubs and his teams and his, his coworkers. And, you know, deep down to heart, I'm an introvert. You wouldn't think that when I'm out in public, but like, <laughs> this is me. Right. So, um, when I step out into rugby coaching, it's performative. It is a chance to be a creative outlet. It's a chance to connect with humans and get away from my desk and, and see the world and, and connect with folks. Right. Um, but it's not who I am. It's just what I do and how I, it's how I get to see the world. Right. And then, and then thankfully there's a lot of really good people in rugby that, that help me see the world in many different ways. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to uh, ask you to uh, be vulnerable and give me mm -hmm. the way that people can contact you to <laughs> talk a bit more about uh, the coffee club. So uh, obviously we put it in the show notes, but what's the best way mm -hmm. to reach out to you? Um, very accessible human being. Uh, LinkedIn at Sean Lindersmith um, on t X or Twitter now at yeah. Snack Attack, S-N-A-C-K-A-T-T-K. Yeah. Um, TikTok at Coach Snack Attack and Instagram same Snack Attack. Um, yeah, that's about it these days. And Facebook. Yeah, well, that's pretty. That's, that's quite comprehensive. You, you, you're, you're, <laughs> I, you're, you're, you're everywhere. You're omnipresent. Omnipresent. Well, it's been brilliant to catch up uh, and talk about the Coffee Club. As I said, uh, there's a great article that we've written around uh, the Coffee Club, uh, but also we've obviously covered a whole range of different. Um, different topics and vulnerability uh is there and uh obviously both of us are always open for people to drop us a line um we might not be able to find the answers but we certainly know some people who might be able to connect and that that's that's really important and um yeah thank you very much for uh being vulnerable to uh to talk through um yeah. without uh trying to be silly about talking about vulnerability so you've been listening to a rugby coach weekly podcast um if you want to find out more about the podcast uh go to rugbycoachweekly.net and um you can find out about the podcasts and all the other things that uh, rugby coach weekly talks about so uh just uh, leaves me to say thanks very much uh snacks for your time and uh vulnerability thank you for having me on it was, it was a lot of fun and i not as scary as I really thought it was going to be all week. So really appreciate all right. coming Well, out. I need to maybe uh, think about some of those more difficult questions and uh, ask you again uh, some other time. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening and catch up with you all soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the Blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.